Good morning again. Good. Okay. Kind of died down between the first good morning and this one, so I don't know what got to you between now and then, but hopefully we can come back. So I was on vacation last week. Uh, I went to Chicago, the most relaxing place on earth. And um, it is, I, I love Chicago. It's where I go to eat, eat too much and just kind of be there. It's really cool. Uh, I noticed something, though. There's a lot of city decrees. Uh, so the city of Chicago stopped giving out speeding tickets. Uh, in order to deter speeding, now they're giving out Cubs tickets. And I don't even, wow, okay. I did not know there were Cubs fans here. I don't know what had happened with Cincinnati. People either go too fast or too slow, we'll see. Uh, so we are wrapping up the Miracles series. And in this series, we've talked about the miracles of God. We've talked about the, the people that were involved, the, the power that was involved, but most of all, the fact that God does miracles. And, and you notice that's not past tense, that God does miracles. He creates miracles. He gives miracles. He empowers us to, to feel miracles, to see miracles. And all of that throughout this series has been such an awesome thing to talk about. And most of the stories, like the, the parting of the Red Sea, we've heard before, and, and we know about Jericho, and we know about uh, walking on water, and we know all of these different miracles. But the fact that he continued to do it, that continues to do it, continues to show us who he is, to continue to show up in the world is such an amazing thing. And so as I was thinking about the wrap-up and how to conclude it and what to talk about, I wanted to look at a specific miracle, and, and Amy just read it a few minutes ago. But I want to look at Jesus specifically in this. And so I want to go back to Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 10. About this time, another large crowd had gathered, and the people ran out of food again. Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days, and they have nothing left to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will faint along the way, for some of them have come a long distance. So think about Jesus' life for a second. Think about his day-to-day -day life, everything that he did uh, from the moment that his ministry started. From the moment that his ministry started. He went from place to place, from town to town, from area to area, from crowd to crowd, from person to person, from location to location, and he talked, and he loved, and he healed, and he fed, and, and he did all of these amazing things. Now, he knew that at the end of the three years, he was going to die for our sins. And he knew everything that was going to happen to him. He knew everything that was going to happen to his followers. He knew everything that was happening in the world. He knew everything people were going through. He knew everything about Rome. He knew everything about everything. He obviously knew the big picture. And yet, day to day, he focused on the compassion that he could show to people in that moment. Even knowing everything else, he focused on compassion. And so in this moment, Again, knowing everything else, he sees them and he sees that they're hungry. And so he meets that need. He meets it with compassion. He sees them with his heart. He lets them know that he hears them. In a series about miracles, about big miracles, about amazing miracles, about powerful miracles, the greatest miracle of all is Jesus' love for us. It's his compassion for us. It's the fact that he cares about our daily lives, that he cares about our needs, that he cares about just individually. Now think about if he were different. 
Think about if he were, were like the leaders of the world today or at any time. You know, focusing on the big things. Focusing on the big people. The lobbyists, whatever you want to say. Focusing on just a select number of things. Man, not a lot to get done. Imagine if you were like us. Trying our best, doing our best. But, you know, sometimes we get kind of frustrated. Because it never stops. And sometimes we get kind of tired because it's not very appreciated. And sometimes it gets kind of, eh. Because people aren't very nice to us. And we start to question things, and we start to question ourselves, and we stop, but he's not like that. He knew that some of those people in the crowd maybe were going to be among the ones that, that yelled at him while he was dying. Yet he still saw them in that moment. He saw their hearts in that moment. He showed his heart in that moment. He was our example, is our example, and he shows that miracle every day. And that's why this miracle that I'm talking about is so amazing. Because it's just kind of there. And it's not talked about a lot because there's a bigger example of it. But it's him showing compassion. It's him showing power. It's him showing love. It's him showing who he is, even knowing everything that is going on. I have a quote to share. I wasn't just bragging. Uh, we can't heal the world today, but we can begin with a voice of compassion, a heart of love, and an act of kindness. So often, we get discouraged because we see the way the world is, and that's easy to do. And we think, well, nothing I do is going to matter. I, I can't do this. I can't fix that. I can't change that. I can't save their lives. But what about moment to moment? What can we do in a moment? What can we do with a voice of compassion? A voice of compassion is the way that we speak to other people, the way that we speak in general, the way that we post, the way that we tweet, the way that we text. It's the things that come out of our mouths or out of our fingers. Do we have compassion in those words? How important would it be to be shown compassion in a world where it's very lax? A heart of love. That's our thoughts. That's our feelings. That's who we are inside. Even when we slam into the microphone, it's who we are. It's how we feel. It's, it's how we know who we serve. It's Jesus in our hearts. And it's showing that. And then acts of kindness. That's doing good. That's being like Jesus. That's feeding people when they need fed. In whatever way that means. It's showing that compassion. Sharing that compassion. Uh, whenever I use a quote, uh, it varies whether I look up the quote first or if I know it or if I look up a topic and I find quotes that I like or whatever. It's a whole process. But I always research the name of the person who gives the quote. A, because uh, you want to make sure that the person actually said it. You, this is hopefully not going to be a surprise, but sometimes things on the internet are not exactly true. If that is a surprise, talk to me after, please. So. But B, you know, I don't want to accidentally use somebody like Charles Manson or something. It's hard to come back from that one. 
but as I was researching Mary Davis in this quote, I found something interesting. It was attributed, attributed, well, long week. It was attributed to multiple Mary Davises. And that's interesting, so I had to look at each one. And, you know, I had to check the most reputable source on the internet, Wikipedia. Please, if you have children or grandchildren, don't let them use that as a source for papers. Although I've had people have me proofread papers for its Wikipedia sources. But, uh, you know, I looked other places too. But as I was looking through all of these different Mary Davises, uh, each of them had a comma and then kind of a little, a couple words about who they are. And so one was an organizer for the Special Olympics, like someone who was instrumental in getting the Special Olympics going and started and continuing, like a big deal thing. One of them was a, a nursing instructor, so somebody who helps others become nurses and, and kind of works with people that are nurses and helps them. One was a librarian and a children's storyteller. That's pretty cool too. One was a Christian author. I think one was like a silent film actress and it kind of went from there, but the point was, as I looked at those commas and looked at all those Mary Davises, I started to think what it would look like if, if I searched throughout history all of the people with my name. Now, my name's fairly unique, so probably just one person. Because my last name's Ackenbach, if you did not know that. Uh, but think about that. Now, the world puts a comma and they define us in whatever way they want to define us, usually by our job title or by our success or by the amount of money we have, but even though these are awesome things like Special Olympics and, and telling stories to children, what if next to our name was very compassionate, very giving, very helpful, you know, does this, like really shows Jesus, whatever it is, but our, our heart was in that comma, next to that comma. And then how would we compare to all of the people that have had our names over time? Like, would we stand out? Would we look more like Jesus, less like Jesus? Like, what would it matter? Now, we shouldn't compare ourselves to other people at all. And that's not why I'm saying that. But I'm saying it because what we do matters. And how we are and the compassion we show, the life we live, that matters and that can stand out and that can be a miracle to people's lives. I'm about to read the miracle that Jesus did, and it's an amazing one. But the fact that he even stopped and cared about those people, that mattered just as much to them. The fact that he knew individually who they were and what they needed, that matters, and we have to remember that. And so I go to verse 4. His disciples replied, How are we supposed to find enough food uh, to feed them out here in the wilderness? Jesus asked, How much bread do you have? Seven loaves, they replied. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves, thanked God for them, and broke them into pieces. He gave them to the disciples who distributed the bread to the crowd. A few small fish were found too. So Jesus also blessed these and told the disciples to distribute these. So I would imagine as I read this and as Amy read it, we, we think of the more popular uh, miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, which was more like 10,000 because it, don't, it didn't count women and children. But we think of that one because that's the one we preach about more. That's the big one. But this one still happened. And to the people there, they don't care that the one happened before. It's like, this happened. This, I'm being fed right now. And, and in that first one, and the, the one that we talk about more, a little boy 
you know, gave his lunch and Jesus magnified it and multiplied it and he was able to do a part. In this one, he goes straight to the disciples. He's like, hey, what do you got? Because he goes to us and says, hey, what do you have? What do you have that I can use? What do you have that I can multiply? Where is your compassion for these people? What can you see? He's training them. He's helping them just like he does to us. And again, we see that he breaks the bread and he performs the miracle because he's the power, he's the glory, he's everything that does the miracle. And then he allows the disciples to serve, and that's awesome, because he allows us to serve, he allows us to be here, he allows us to talk, he allows us to help, he allows us to be a part of it. And again, we see a crowd fed, and we see a lot of leftovers, and that's really cool, that's amazing, you can imagine for the disciples to see that. Again, we see Jesus multiplying our efforts beyond anything that they could be on their own. Again, we see the miracle of his love, the miracle of his power, the miracle of his his very being. As I was reading and researching uh, through commentaries and everything about this scripture, I saw that there are a couple dissenting scholars, and I don't agree with them, but there are a couple who say that this is just a retelling of the 5,000, blah, blah, blah. No, I don't think that. But the reasons they had were because of the way the disciples reacted. They should have known that he had done this before and could do it again. But to me, it's like, how often has God done something amazing for us or in us or in our lives? And then a couple weeks later, we've forgotten. We forget that he can do it. We forget that he does do it. We forget what he's done, and it's like, I've seen it before. I've seen it all before. It just keeps happening the same and the same and the same. And we start to take it for granted. So I think it's absolutely true. And as I said, the people in the crowd, they don't care that there's a more popular example of this because they're fed. They were seen. They were helped. They were shown compassion. They were shown love. They were shown the truth. They were shown Jesus. Sometimes as Christians, we want to have the answer for people. I don't mean Jesus. I mean we want to have the answer to whatever their problem is. We want to have the solution. We want to be the the first person to help them. We want to be the loudest person. We want to be the most noticed person. Person. We want to be the most important person. Now, it's not our reason, but it also affects our motives sometimes. And we think, well, that ministry's gone for a while and people are already doing that, or that's happened for a while and people already do that, or somebody's already helping them and somebody's already doing that, and we're like, yeah. And we let that dampen our light. I have another quote. This one is from C.S. Lewis, who I did not have to research because I went to school with him, so I knew him pretty well. Don't shine so that others can see you. Shine so that through you, others can see him. That is such an awesome quote. And I encourage you to read everything C.S. Lewis wrote. And he's not perfect, obviously, but he has so many amazing insights like that because that's what we're supposed to do. It doesn't matter if you're first doesn't matter if a thousand other people have helped someone. If you can help someone, if you can hear someone, if you can see someone, if you can love someone, if you can show compassion, 
do it because it's not about being noticed. It's about helping others to notice him, to notice who he is, to see him. That's our lives. That's our goal. That's who we are. So if I were to ask who landed on the moon first, A, you'd be like, did he just completely lose track of what he's talking about? I did not. B, I think everyone here would say Neil Armstrong. Am I correct? Nod your head. I know I'm correct with who it is, but did you guys all know that? Good. Okay, some of you are like, somebody landed on the moon. Okay. That's fine. We'll get there. Uh, And if I were to say, well, who was second in that trip? I think most of us would say, oh, Buzz Aldrin, because that's a weird name. That's an astronaut name. That's like the Toy Story guy. Like, that makes sense. Some of you, until I just said that, are like, wait, I thought Buzz Aldrin was the Toy Story guy. He's not. That's Buzz Lightyear. He did not land on the moon, as far as I know. Uh, But if I were to ask who's third, again, you'd be like, where's he going with this? Like, is he just going to give us a space lesson now? No? Some of you, I think a select few, would say Michael Collins, which is correct. Most of us don't know. Then if we're asked, well, how many times have we been to the moon since? Or what happened? We know Apollo 13 because that was a spectacular failure and it was a movie and tragedy and it was horrible. But we don't really know about Apollo 12 or whatever else. We don't know what they're doing with the space program. We don't know how many times it's been up. I would imagine that for those who were able to see that first space mission, that it was a momentous day to watch on the TV after years and years of, of, of work had gone into it and, and finally, man, you know, 70 years ago people couldn't fly at all and now all of a sudden there's a rocket going to the moon. And I would imagine that was really cool. And I would imagine that was really amazing. And I would imagine everybody in the world was around a TV set kind of watching that. Because it stood out, because it was miraculous, because it was amazing. And I would imagine that if you looked at the TV ratings, each flight after that, a little less, a little less. Because it became commonplace. Because it happened so much. Because we were used to it working. Because we were used to the effect. Because we were used to the fact that it could happen. It was still miraculous and amazing. Now here's what I'm going to ask you. Wouldn't it be amazing... Compassion and God's love from us became so commonplace that people just accepted that it happened. Wouldn't it be amazing if we acted so much like Jesus in this world that people started to look like, oh yeah, they're acting like Jesus. Not because it's common, not because God is common, but because it was happening so much. How awesome would that be? How awesome would that be if we did it so much, if we lived out Jesus' life so much, so many people were doing it that everybody's like, yeah, that's how it works. Not to take it for granted, but to know, yeah, that's safe, that's here, that's who we are. It is not about being remembered. Michael Collins was just as much on the moon as Neil Armstrong. 
It's not about being noticed. It's not even about being right. It is about lighting the way for others to see him. It's about shining the miracle of his love, the miracle of his compassion, the miracle of his truth, the miracle of him to everyone else. (coughs) Excuse me. That's what we get to do. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're able to do. And it's so awesome that we are able to do that. And it's also so important that we do that because it is very much missing in the world today. And often we will sit and we will say, we will comment about how much compassion is missing or how much this is missing or how much is that, that is missing while we're just sitting there watching it be missing. Maybe it's missing because we're sitting there watching it instead of out there showing it. One more script, well, next scripture. Verse 8. They ate as much as they wanted. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. There were about 4,000 men in the crowd that day, and Jesus sent them home after they had eaten. Immediately after this, they got into a boat with his disciples and crossed over to the region of Dalmanutha. So Jesus finished the miracle. It's a powerful miracle. It's an amazing miracle. It's not anything anyone else could do. He fed them. He heard them. He saw them. He loved them. And then he left to go do it again. I believe behind me there's a typewriter that says to be continued. That's my title. That's not just Jeff's going to talk again. Although I am obviously. To be continued. He worked, did everything, gave everything. And then he went and he did it again. He continued it. Because God's love is to be continuously shown. His compassion is to be continuously shown, to continuously light it out and and, and give people that love, give people that chance, give people that truth, give people that hope. The work, the ministry is to be continuously done. And it's hard. It's hard because often people aren't very appreciative. I mean, Jesus was perfect, was perfect, is perfect. And he wasn't even appreciated. So he said, you know, hey, they hated me, they're going to hate you. So it's hard. And it's hard because it never ends. It's hard because there's always more to do. It's hard because there's always someone else that needs help. It's hard because... There's always someone else that that just needs to to be heard, needs to be helped, needs to be loved. But man, it's great because it always continues. Because there's always someone else who gets to be helped. Because there's always someone else that we have a chance to love. Because there's always someone else that we have a chance to help. Do you see the difference in how we can look at things? The series is about miracles. His love in our lives, his forgiveness in our lives, his compassion in our lives is the greatest miracle. And it's on us to show that, to live that. And again, how? How? Because it's so hard and because it's every day and because not everybody even wants it. We have one more scripture. This is from Colossians 3, 23 through 24. Work willingly at whatever you do, 
as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. We're not doing it for ourselves. We're not even doing it for other people. We're doing it for him, to show him, to live him out, to be like him. Because everything we do, everything we say, everything we are, has an impact on someone. And we get to determine whether it's positive or negative. Now, it'll plant a seed, whether or not that grows, that's on them and their choices, but God's there. What we do is we show, we, we, we sow. We give everything we can because we are doing it for him. We are doing it in him. He is the one we are serving. He is the one we are showing. We live for him. We live like him. We focus on him. And that's how we keep going because we know he is there. Because we know he went through it. Because we know that he set that example for us. It's not about whether you like somebody. Not about whether you agree with them. Ultimately, none of that matters. Because we are shining His light. Because we are showing His compassion. Because we are bringing His miracles. Because we are to be like Him to a world that desperately needs to see that. One of the things I say sometimes, you may be the only example of Jesus that someone sees in a day. You may. Now here's the thing. You may be like the seventh example. And sometimes that's a little harder because it's like, well, everybody's already seen it. But just like the people in that crowd, they didn't care if you'd done that miracle before because it was still a miracle. Because it was still his love. Because it was still compassion. Because it still helped. We still keep working because we're doing it for him. There is something that I've talked about before, I think, but the bystander effect. And it's usually talked about in crime and true crime and things like that. And it essentially means that if someone sees a crime or someone sees something happen uh, that they know is wrong or know is bad, they often won't call the police or turn it in because they're like, somebody else will do that. Somebody else has already done that. It's not a, I don't care, you know, I, I don't care what happens. It's a, oh, somebody else is going to do that. Or someone more confident, someone more capable, someone more able is going to take care of this. And that's why a lot of things go unreported. I believe that our lives are like that sometimes. Somebody else will show them love. Somebody else better than me will show compassion there. Somebody else better than me will show Jesus. Someone else has already been there. Who cares? Do it anyway. What's the worst that can happen is you show it twice? I don't know about you, but I could do with a couple doses of compassion. The series was pretty cool. Because God's miracles are always fun to talk about and they're always amazing to talk about. And often we think, why don't we see them as much anymore? They're still there. And we get to go out and be those miracles to other people's lives. 
and show that compassion to other people to point the way to him because that's what he has done for us. That's all I got.